It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Welcome to Done Being Single. Yeah, and we are done with our past. You think so? <laughs> no, that's why what? we're doing this episode why? today. I don't think we're ever done with our past. Ugh. Really? And, and, you know, good or bad, why would you want to be... Well, okay, no way. Bad, you'd want to be done with it. I get what you're saying. You don't want to be done with your past. You don't want to erase the past because the past is has benefits. It teaches you things. It has lessons, right? And you have to have some some reference to upon which to grow and evolve. Yes, and your past can dictate the future. That's where it gets a little dicey. It, it definitely dictates the present, I think, because the past is what brought us to where we are. Yes, it did. It continues to be a little bit of a, I don't want to say, I'm growing. I'm a work in progress. We all are. Yes, and we all are. And we do bring our, we bring baggage into every situation that we go into and with people that we meet and new relationships and situations. This is titled How to Get Past Your Past. If the past was fill in the blank, hard, problematic, complicated, frustrating, painful. And there's people that I think live in the past. Yes. And can't get past it. Correct. We got to talk to those people today because they're not doing themselves any favors. No one has a gun to your head. You don't have to bring all that shit into your future. You just don't have to. It's fucking hard to do. You don't have much of a future if you're relying on your past. You just can't get to a future that has any kind of positive nature to it if you are constantly in the past. <laughs> And I, yes. Well, what about if your past was the glory days? Well, okay. See, to me, Pat, when you right. say past, that has some connotations to it. That mm -hmm. you know, because my childhood, I mean, it was, I had a lovely childhood, but there, it was complicated. I definitely learned and didn't learn certain things, which, as you know, now being my husband and knowing my parents, you can see where this all came from. You can see the origins, my family of origin. You can see the genesis of all this. But what if, oh you know, so the past doesn't necessarily have to be a negative place. What if you're stuck in the past where, you know, like I said, things were great. And then you find yourself resting on your laurels and you can't move forward. And you mentioned glory days. And that's where I think a lot of people, men and women, they revert back to those days because that was the time when they were shining maybe the brightest in their lives. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because they don't realize that today is a day to shine. Tomorrow is an even better day to shine. Yes. But I can't help but yes. think about when I was a senior in high school, how how shiny I was. Yeah. And I want you to remember that. And I'm going to tell you that the next time I see you and the next time after that too. 
Yeah, you know, the truth is, and I, I talk a lot because I, I'm a late bloomer, and I guess you are too, I, and I write about a lot of life as a late bloomer, and I talk a lot about hitting your stride and finding your groove later in life, and that really the truth is you keep peaking. You don't have to peak once and live in the past. Um, you can peak again and again and again, and you should. That is, that's those are healthy signs that, that sounds like our evening the other night right peak valley peak valley Getting take me it. to the peak take me to the mountaintop and then breathe and then regroup and mm-hmm. we move forward but i think for the purposes of today's conversation and and we're going to go into what happens if you're stuck in a place where like you were great and now you can't either find that again, or you're afraid of failure because you were great once, or fear that you can't be great again. Um, We're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk mostly about staying in a shitty place, or not how not to stay in a shitty place, and take that that stuff with you. And why is this really an important subject, especially when it pertains to dating? Yes. And finding love. Yeah. You know, my thought is that I don't think anybody wants to go out with somebody whose glory days were 40 years ago and that's all they talk about and that's where they reside. I need to know who you are today. If you're not who you want to be, who do you want to be tomorrow? And that's what I want to well, know. Okay. For some, that's that's hard to do. It's hard to get move forward. It's hard to start over. People have trauma. People have post-PTSD getting back into the dating world. They've been hurt. They've been disappointed. They've been defeated. They remember the pain and suffering from their divorce or from their, their early days of dating, and it has stuck with them. It's like uh, it's like carrying you know baggage, on like a, a backpack and a shoulder bag and a crossbody bag, and you're carrying a, a suitcase, and you know, and you just gotta let it go. You just gotta drop all that weight off you, so that you can step forward into a healthier, new reinvention or car- incarnation of yourself. But a lot of people have a hard time doing that. They're also stuck because they didn't grow up with healthy role models, Very big and thing. that's that makes them stuck. They never saw it to begin with. How about that? Hello, me. You mentioned references. You know, I think it's so important that we have positive role models and references in our lives to either mentor us or to view as a beacon of what we can be. And I think many people did not grow up with that. And fortunately for me, I feel so blessed that I did. Mm-hmm. And well, you're lucky. I, I think I am lucky. I really you're am. You're really lucky. I mean, yeah. the more we do this podcast, I swear to God, you are. the more I realize just how lucky you are. It wasn't perfect, I'm no, sure. nothing's perfect. I didn't know you back then, but something tells me that your parents did a pretty good job. They did. Modeling for you what healthy love and relationships look like and should feel like. And your attachment style, to me, is very secure. I would say. And mine is all over the map. It's yes, secure, it's, it's, it's anxious, it's, you, it's avoidant. And we're going to talk about some of that today because I love attachment theory. How about we bring on our guest? Who better to talk about all this, right? Guy Finley, the man. I love him so much. He is also a returning champ. He was Great. on, I think he, this is uh, third time? 
I'm not, it's for sure second time, maybe third. That's how much we love him. He's wise and sage and um, insightful, and everybody stay tuned, sit down, or keep your hands on the wheel if you're driving and listening to this, because we're going to knock your socks off. Okay. I'm going to introduce him, because why not, right? If not, now when? If not, guy who? Guy Finley is the best-selling author of more than 45 books and audio albums on self-realization, including The Secret of Letting Go, The Essential Laws of Fearless Living, and his newest book, Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together, which I read and loved and believe in it and highly recommend it. He is the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for spiritual discovery located in Southern Oregon, where he gives talks three times each week. Guy is a faculty member at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, the 1440 Multiversity, and is a regular expert contributor to BeliefNet and the Huffington Post. For more information about his newest book, everybody write this down, www.relationshipmagicbook.com. I'm giving him a plug now. We're going to plug him later because he can't be plugged enough. Guy, welcome Come on back in, Guy. to Done Being Single. You're home away from home. I'm plugged in. You are. <laughs> welcome back, Guy. Hi, Robbie. Hi, Trevor. Thank you. Yes. So, okay, that was an earful that you got, first uh, segment. I don't even know where to start. I've got a ton of questions for you. I want Guy to kind of just sort of be with what we just talked about. Well, look, if we're honest and we can look at this question about the baggage we carry with us, I think we can all pretty much agree that while we know we have it, we sure as heck don't know what to do with it. Because as the two of you illustrated in the dialogue, do I throw it away? Mm -hmm. What's the right thing to do with it? How do I deal with it? I've got people in my life that are problematic or that I've had some trauma with. My heart's been broken. I had a crummy childhood and uh, that past seems to follow me like a, a swarm of biting bugs. I mean, there seem to be a thousand different questions about how to deal with one's past, but I think that what we'll do is we'll discover together when we come back from our break that there isn't a thousand different things that happened to us in our past. There was one mistaken understanding about who we are and what those events were meant to show us about ourselves, and then when that's clear, the past clears itself up by itself and we find ourselves free to be in healthy happy growing relationships wow that's so simplified it and that's done being sense. single thank you for joining yes. us ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no that that is wow i i feel just a load has lifted off me already isn't that interesting i don't know okay may but, it be so yes may it be so we are going to take our first break and then come back with guy finley so just to kind of follow up on what you were saying right before we went to break we all know a lot of people who had tough childhoods and even though now in adulthood they may have grown out of it their pain or grief or anger seems to to still live on and morph and take other forms and i i'm sure you've seen that i i see it we see it in in doing this show and um dealing with people mostly singles i'm sure you see it too how do you stop it from continuing and morphing into other things? 
see, that's kind of the problem right at the at the outset, really, Trevor, is that we have this idea, and that's all it is, and a painful one, I might add, that somehow I'm not supposed to be experiencing this pain right now that I am because, in quotes, I've learned the lesson or I've outgrown it. And so right on the spot, we're looking at an essential dichotomy, a split in one's consciousness where the fact of the matter is you just said something and it set me off. But I have an image of myself as someone who doesn't get set off because I've outgrown it. And until we can start where we are with what we are in the present moment, as the event is revealing what it's meant to, we're dead in the water. So the first thing that has to happen is we have to understand that as we are presently, and please listen, everybody, there's nothing wrong with the fact that whatever happened to me when it did that I still suffer from, there's nothing wrong with the fact that it's still there. What's wrong is that I don't want it to be there, which is what keeps me from outgrowing it, because I never discover the real reason for it. Mm -hmm. So let's take an example, okay? Mm -hmm. And then we'll tie it all into something that I'm sure will relate to a question you'll come up with out of this discussion. Let's say, and this happens to be true, do you remember the first time that you fell in love? Me? Either yes, of you. Yes, of yes, yes. And, and do you remember, at least as I would imagine, I can't, we should all have sweatshirts that say, um, welcome to planet Earth, the place of heartbreak. Right. Because inevitably our heart gets broken. And not just once, I might add, but let's just take the first heartbreak. We can talk about mine if you want. I fell stone in love with a beautiful girl at the age of, I don't know, 16 or 17 years old. It was the first time I really fell in love. And there couldn't have been, as far as I was concerned, anything more exciting, exceptional, sensational than that first woo-hoo moment that comes in our life where the person we fall in love with acts as a kind of revealing agent someone who, because we are with them, stirs and awakens in us all of these things that we never even knew we were capable of feeling. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. So that relationship was actually a revelation, which is the purpose of relationships, revelation. Mm -hmm. And then, as it happened, she decided that, for whatever reason, she wanted someone else in her life, and I find out, much to my pain, that she has been cheating, sleeping on, with another man behind my back, another boy behind my back. And I can still remember, I can see the paneling on the wall, I can see the bottles lined up on the bar. I was downstairs in my parents' home, in the den, just outside this little sort of party bar, banging my head on the wall at, at two in the morning. And I must have awakened my mother because she comes downstairs and says, Guy, what are, what are you doing? And I told her, I'm dead. I've died. Life isn't worth living. I just want to die. Leave me alone. 
And of course, the only information my mother could give me, because it's all she understood, was that rather tried and true statement. I'm sure you've heard it. Sweetheart, there are other fish in the sea. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, do you also remember if you went through anything like that? And listeners, join us, because I think this is an experience common to all of our consciousness. Not my experience, not Trevor or Robbie's, but all of our experience. I said to myself, I am never going to be hurt again like that as long as I live. I will never do it. Yeah. Remember saying stuff like that? No. I, okay. First of all, I did. I said it, but way too late. Or I don't know. Maybe it's not too late. I said that. I came to that moment that you came to at 16. I got to that moment, believe it or not, at 48. Yeah, but listen to me, because this is where I'm going. That's a completely mistaken moment. It's, it's so, it's born of, in this instance, our inability to understand what has just happened and why it happened. So that in that moment, for me, and you'll see where I'm going with this, something was formed, a decision, if you will, a choice made by a great pain, a tremendous resistance to a revelation of a possibility of pain. Who knew that I could feel that kind of pain? Just as an hour before, mm -hmm. who knew I could feel that kind of pleasure? Right. I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. And so now comes this moment where something is formed in me and it says, I will never be hurt again like that. If you've never had that moment, although I know everyone has, if they've ever fallen in love yes. and been hurt, it's very similar to uh, eating something you shouldn't or overeating and then laying there saying, I will never eat again as long as I live because <laughs> right. I don't want this indigestion or pain. But somehow you wake up the next morning and you're hungry again. Same thing with that moment where I said, I'll never be hurt again. And then whatever it is, a week, a month, six months, a year later, someone else catches my eye and I'm in love again. But here's the rub, Robbie, Trevor. That part of me that said it will never be hurt again didn't just go away. Remaining in my consciousness that I am unconscious of, asleep to, is a certain fear, a certain determination that I have in the dark of me that I don't know is there until now. I'm out to lunch or dinner with my new girlfriend, my new boyfriend, and we're sitting there having a nice time. And then I see him or her looking around the restaurant. It seems he or she spends a moment too long right. flirting with the waiter. Right. And and out comes something that I had no idea was in me, which we can simply call jealousy. And in that split second, the whole moment turns into something that now I am afraid of because something that was buried in my consciousness, something formed a long time ago, is suddenly released. And now I look at my partner and I might even say, are you flirting with that person? Or I might just be afraid they are and I lock down in that conversation and then they ask me what's wrong and then I say nothing because I'm not supposed to feel like that. 
and suddenly the whole relationship is now predicated mm -hmm. on a pain mm -hmm. that exists from my past that has become my future because I don't understand that is not who I am anymore. Right. It belongs to who and what I was right. once upon a time that has now pressed itself into the present and that wants all things to unfold according to its notion of something to be afraid of. Hmm. I hope that much is clear. Wow. Uh, how is someone to self-analyze themselves if they haven't heard you speaking about this? Because you see, Rob, it, may I call you Rob instead of Robbie? Whatever you'd like. I like Rob. Okay. Robbie's good. I'll go with Robbie. It's more familiar. Robbie, look, we're not, this isn't, I'm describing what sounds like analysis. But if a, if a wild bear walked into the place where you are recording this interview, would you analyze the entrance of that bear? Or would you realize the bear is a problem, could be painful, and you would respond without having to analyze the condition because something in you knows to get out of harm's way. Right. So when we have a negative reaction, like jealousy, fear, anxiety, the problem is that there's something in us that does sit and analyze it because we're not supposed to be like that or what does that mean, what's going to happen, when the actual fact of the matter is that the moment has revealed something that has lived in our consciousness that was never intended to be carried forward into the present moment. But now listen to this. But by the grace of God, by the grace of Spirit, Christ, whatever you want to call it, by the grace of that moment, of that person that has actually produced that reaction, I am suddenly brought into the awareness of a part of myself that is just sitting there waiting to punish me unless I actually understand it's who I was and not who I am. And the revelation of that is the release of myself from the past because I'm not going to participate in jumping into a prison because something says, here's an open cell, have at it. Okay, I have a question about that. Here's a scenario like yours. You were hurt terribly. The rejection has been really d buried deep inside you, almost in your DNA, okay? And it takes tremendous amount of focus and concentration and work to release like you said like you don't have to own this this was that a past this is something that happened many many years ago what do you say to the people that that actually find people that will recreate that pain again they it's like an unconscious uh they magnetize attract people that will hurt them in this that will cheat on them again or will you know hurt them again or disappoint them again it's almost like an open wound that just can't ever heal well, first, I would say, let's not talk about other people. Okay. If we talk about ourselves, we are other people. Right. Well, I've, I've been everyone that person. Is, everyone is just like us, Trevor. We're just like everyone else. See, that that's one of the illusions, and I know we're coming to a break, 
that somehow my consciousness is different than yours. What's different in our consciousness is the experiences that consciousness has had. But what we're looking at here is that there is something in us that would rather identify with a pain or a problem than to have no identity that's known in that moment at all. So that rather than being open, because we're no longer marking ourselves with our own past, we'll let that part of us drag us back into the past so we know who we are and what to do. Which is a lot like walking through a sign that says exit here, when it's really the entrance into a pattern mm -hmm. that we just don't know we're taking part in. Mm -hmm. huh. There's something this to is, chew on. Oh, food for thought. All right, we are going to our second break, and we will be back with more from Guy Finley. Okay, so, so during the break, Guy just... Shared something <clears throat> with us. That was so deep and so profound, and I've forgotten every word of it now. Well, <laughs> Guy, please. You know, please. the beauty of this is that, honestly, when we hear something that's true and we suddenly resonate with it, the reason we resonate with it is because it's already a part of ourselves. Otherwise, we wouldn't recognize it as being true. So what we're looking at here is this idea that we're imprisoned by what happened to us in the past. Yes. And I'm saying that nothing could be further from the truth, that what we are, if you want to use the word, imprisoned by, yeah. is that there is a part of us that doesn't know who it is or what to do without the past. So that when these moments come, and they always will, by the grace of God, I might add, where someone or something happens, and that baggage that we've been carried spills off the runway and opens up showing all that dirty laundry, that in those moments, we are being invited by that moment, by that light of that awareness, the revelation, to see for a fact, wow. I had no idea that I was carrying around that belief that no one should ever talk to me like that, that you could be like that. It's beyond belief that you could say that, that within us, there are all of these identities, these formations from the past that were never reconciled because they were never understood, that the moment reveals as being who we were, yeah. not who we are. And that to understand the reaction, the negative reaction, the resistance, is a revelation of a kind of consciousness that has been carried over, is the invitation that we've come into that moment carrying that baggage, and the revelation of the baggage is the invitation to release it yes. and to leave that moment a different order of human being than the one who went into it. That's the real meaning of rebirth, if there are any Christians out there, that we're meant to be transfigured by the revelation of a level of consciousness we don't know we are still trapped in because of being identified with all of this old garbage, and that in the split second that garbage is revealed, it's turned into compost. 
humility, humus. And out of that grows something completely different. In fact, the only way we can transcend the past is by using it to release ourselves from a false sense of self that was never intended to be carried over. Then we start to see some of the most beautiful things in the world. I mean, who understands that love thine enemies? Yes. Christ said, love thine enemies. How is that possible? Well, what if I realize that what I call my enemy is actually an agent of something quite divine sent to help me realize that I'm carrying around something that's never going to be released until it's revealed. And so the agent of the moment that I call my enemy is actually showing me something that's been a weight and a problem, not just to me, but to everyone I know. And at last I get to see, ah, that's not who I am. Thank you for showing that to my myself, because now I don't have to protect that person, that past. I can see it as being the prison it always was, and suddenly I'm out free. And then the fulfillment of the idea, know the truth and the truth will set you free, is my realization. I think that the, pro the problem I see, um, and I know firsthand because I... Yeah, I live it. Patterns are familiar. And you get into a pattern because it's familiar to you. Or you get into a let habit. Me stop, Trevor, let, let me stop you, please. We get into patterns as if there is a me, a conscious identity that's different than the pattern it gets into. This is why it's so important to have this knowledge. The pattern exists on its own. There's no Trevor that decides to get upset with Robbie. No Robbie that decides to get upset with the guy that cuts him off. There's just a level of consciousness that repeats patterns. That's what reincarnation is. The consciousness repeating itself because it never becomes aware of itself so as to transcend the pattern that it creates. Once we start getting that, then we're not afraid of seeing. See, uh, we're, we have this idea that somehow or other we're not supposed to get upset because we're spiritual. But the fact of the matter is, the pretending to not get upset is the pattern that keeps us getting upset because we never transcend the past. Or we just part of us. Or we, didn't, ahead, or we didn't learn those skills. No, we see, look, you could say it that way, but and just allow me this. This isn't a skill you learn. This is something that you see and that changes you in the moment you see it. Did you learn the skill of appreciating beauty? Or did beauty develop in you a capacity to embrace it more deeply? It developed in me. Yes. We already have the capacity, the beauty, the skill, if you want to use that word, to be conscious enough to recognize that what's trying to wreck our lives in the moment can't be changed by avoiding the wreckage. It's by seeing that something is wrecking the moment and absolutely having nothing to do with it because we're present to that moment so clearly that we can't step into it. We can't say I to the thing that wants to get in that fight. We just can't because it would hurt us and we will not hurt ourselves consciously. 
Okay, so what do you say to people who have a fear of going into the past and looking at the wreckage? A lot of people, it's too painful. The past is just too painful. They don't want to. They don't want to look at it. They can't. They go there. And and to me, you kind of have to in order to move forward. What if we understood that there's no such thing as psychological fear without negative imagination? Okay. That it is impossible for me to be afraid of anything, psychologically speaking, mm-hmm. that I haven't first imagined. What if I knew that as a fact? Then when I say, well, I'm afraid of my past, it's not my past I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of something that was imagined back in those days where, for instance, I thought I'll never fall in love again. This is a horrible world. It's out to punish me. And then that thought becomes my past. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that's what I revisit. We can't revisit our past itself. Right. Our consciousness is our past, our present, and our future. I'm going to say it again. Everything that I will ever experience, that you or Robbie will ever experience, is a part of our consciousness right now. If it weren't so, we couldn't be conscious of it. So what I call the experience of my past, presently, is nothing other than something in me revisiting an image, an idea, a painful emotion, looking at that and then resisting the very thing that I've recalled. It's like going to prison to analyze the prison in order to escape it. No one revisits the past unless something in them wants to revisit the past. Okay. But if I can be, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. There's the rub right there. Is that yes? How are people supposed to see the other pathways that are always available to them if they keep taking the well-worn path that happens to take them back? What if, what if, and all of us, we we know people like this. We might even be someone like this from time to time. Most of us are. Have you ever known somebody that constantly complains or is negative about their past? Okay, I, I, almost the I opposite. Do. Well, yeah. Okay, I do. I, I do because I've, I made a lot of mistakes and I never forget that I made a lot of mistakes. And I think because I did, I lost out on a lot of opportunities and I squandered a lot of time and I have a lot of regret. So yes. I, when okay. I so think about, when I look back on my past, it's like, and I do often because it gives me, it's a, it's a, um, what's the word? Uh, when you hold something up, it gets like a reference point, but there's something else to it. It's sort of Mental. like a, yeah, where it, I think about it and I, it's always on in the back of my mind. And I always say, I'm never going to do that again. And I yeah, learned yeah. and I'm constantly aware of my past. I wish I wasn't so much aware of my past. All right. Let's, let's look at this slowly together. We can make some truly meaningful steps forward. Would you, Treva, look, so, so to speak, look into your past, if when you looked into it, before you looked in that mirror, you saw the mirror said, look here for torment. 
Look here for pain. Look here for the confirmation that you aren't good enough and you weren't, and therefore you've got to be different or otherwise face the consequences. Would you ever look into a mirror that when you looked into it said, you're not the most beautiful of all, but you could have been the most beautiful, and here's why you're not. Would you look in that mirror ever purposefully? No. Absolutely you wouldn't. And that's what you're doing. And not even you. That's what I was saying. That's the pattern. That's what this lower level of consciousness does. It actually looks back, not into the past, but into the configurations it made out of that conflict at the time. So it actually revisits images that it made so that in revisiting the image, it can confirm that identity, that self, that person who will never perform, who couldn't perform, who one day might, but has to live in fear that they may not. Mm-hmm. All of that is nonsense when you see it for the fact that it is, but until then, it's very painful. Yes. So this is where we've reached something so incredibly important. What we are looking at here is the idea that we do not understand our past at all. We don't understand its purpose, and far from it, we don't realize that our real past is no longer who and what we were, but holds within it the possibility of seeing that I'm not to be defined by who and what I was, I'm not to be defined by any reaction I have at all. Right. Instead, I'm being, I, I am created to be released from that mistaken identity that is produced whenever that unconscious part of myself picks up that mirror and says, Look, Trevor, this is why you feel the way you do right now because of what happened back then. No, that is not why you feel the way you do now. You feel what it wants you to feel when it revisits the past, and we can set it down and be free if we understand it. I think self-punishment has a lot to do with it, and, and oh, yeah. forgiveness, self-forgiveness. Yep. I could talk about this stuff for days. We will. Good. <laughs> so uh, we will be talking longer after the show is done. So we are going to go to our last break. No. And then come back. With I say more. that all the time. <laughs> time flies, man. We'll be back. Time flies when you're getting deep. Yes. We will be back with more from Guy Finley. This is segment four, and we are back. So, Guy, going back to our first segment, we talked about yep. jealousy. Yep. And jealousy can, it can come out in very many ways, or it can show itself to us in many ways. Right. But what... What if somebody, in the example you used, was uh, if you were with a woman and uh, she was flirting with a waiter or something, and what if the example really wasn't jealousy, but you had that feeling of jealousy in you? What are the levels there that you can use to self-determine how you should react? Again, we're not trying to figure out how we should react. We're looking at seeing our reaction. One is spiritual, the other is mental. Healing is spiritual, not mental. So the summary of that is that I react with jealousy or anger or frustration when someone doesn't do as I expect them to do. 
because without having seen it yet, I am fully identified with that person as being who and what I know who I am through. So that if that person begins to do something that's not part of what I want, my very sense of self feels threatened. I'm going to lose myself if you don't choose differently, if I can't make you see what you're doing. That's called attachment and dependency, and that's where fear comes from. When we can begin to see the fact of that and not blame the other person, but rather see that I couldn't possibly be having this reaction if it weren't for this unconscious identification and its inherent demands, then in that moment we begin to be released from that level of consciousness that believes it's only as real as someone else gives it the feeling of being. I think that early pain definitely leaves an indelible mark. Like I said, it kind of gets into your DNA. Unfortunately, my first love was my first heartbreak. It was the same thing. And yeah, yeah, and even though I grew out of it, maybe, maybe I held on to some of that grief. I don't know. I mean, I've, you know, I think there there are are other, I just want to say that there are more things that happened to me just, just in my own, within my own family that really made their mark on me. Those are the things I've had to get over in my life. And what I'm trying to say, Trevor, because you keep saying that I carried with me, that I keep repeating, it isn't you. It is a level of consciousness that right. you have mistakenly identified with. And when you think it's you, then you try not to be that you, and that keeps that nature in place. Mm-hmm. It is a level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. None of us want to believe, because we are inculcated otherwise, that there is something in us that actually wants to revisit the past, that actually wants that negative reaction, because it confirms a familiar sense of ourself. It's beyond belief to us that we could be complicit in our own captivity. Yeah. But until we actually see the fact of it, we are complicit in that consciousness, so that it is the awareness of that consciousness that begins to release us from that false identity and all of its pain. I, I got to repeat that. We are compl- Can I just repeat yes. that? That was really brilliant and really profound. We are complicit in our own captivity. Yes. That is so that- true. So, well, Guy, help- they got me. Sorry. Yes, please. No. No, Finish. I'll shut up. You go. Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, I, 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 give us some tips for for Treva, for example, for what she was experiencing. So if it's not her, it's the consciousness. What, what can she do to either correct that, address it in the moment? Yes, address it would be a good word. There's a beautiful, altogether lost understanding of the word patience. The original meaning of the word patience is to suffer myself. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So when I feel the reaction, instead of instantaneously stepping into the pattern of being drawn into identifying with it and then trying to change the condition, can I be patient with experiencing and seeing myself as I am in that moment? Because if I will suffer the appearance of that consciousness, then I will begin to understand that consciousness and 
increasingly realize that is not I. The separation is the beginning of the healing. Mm -hmm. Because now I know who not to be, what not to say, where not to go, but rather where to stay in awareness of myself in that moment. Correct. Yes, I, as, it kind of brings me around to what I said at the beginning is that no one's holding a gun to your head, forcing you to live in the past and, and be saddled with pain. I mean, it's sort of a conscious choice. It does take work. I will say that. Yes. But I will also say something about one's past. You, you, you can use it as a dead weight. Your past could be used as a dead weight to hold you back. Or you can use it as a really effective driver for self-improvement which is a springboard. Yes. Uh, yes. And that is what I have chosen to do. And that's why I keep my past sort of right there just so that I can refer to it so that I don't repeat it and that I learn from it. And I think that's really the key because as you said, understanding it ultimately will set you free. Yes. And as long as we understand that to refer to it doesn't mean to go back into it and think about myself through the nature dragging me down into that dungeon. I'm aware of hurting other people. I don't have to think that I've done it. I don't have to find the instances. It's part of my very nature now to recognize that selfishness serves itself and then blames others for its actions. I don't need to think about it. It's there. Right. We want to be there with what we are, who we are, and what's unfolding moment to moment so that we can, as you said, begin to become another order of human being who is no longer capable of hurting ourselves or anyone else. What about people that are in the past, the BMOC, the big man on campus, the high school jock, who can't help but revert to themselves when they're in present-day discussions? What's that to me? What's that to you? Yeah. I yeah, what's I mean, if I'm out with somebody and they're and they're dominating the conversation at the mm -hmm. dinner table with who they were and what they did, what's that to me? I can sit and feel the part of me that believes it must be the big man on comp campus or it wouldn't be judging them for stealing the limelight. Okay. But I think, I think what I'm what I'm pertaining to is how does this person get him or herself to present day so they are not living in that past. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie, they're happy with what they've got until they see that what they've got is nothing. And when they see that they cannot change anything, that nothing is any better than it was, and that clinging to invisible trophies and plaques on the wall doesn't prove them to be a real sane human being, then they'll start letting go of that identity that belongs to who and what they were. It doesn't serve them anymore. It's as empty as is the dream they're reliving. I completely agree. But I think that as our audience may consist of people that are either getting out of relationships and looking for something new, they are trying to see who they are. And sometimes they can't help but revert to who they were. <laughs> and Bobby, if, if I gave you a cup and there was nothing in it, and I said, here, drink to your heart's content. How long would you sit and drink from that cup? Knowing Robbie? Depends how long you're looking Depends at it. Depends if it was tequila. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the point. It's like the emperor's clothes. So here's someone, and they keep drinking from a cup of memory. 
But the mm. memory can't keep them whole in the moment where somebody says, you weren't this, or you can't do that, or someone challenges the vaulted opinion they have of themselves. In that moment, they're dragged down into the defense of who they were. And one day, maybe by the grace of God, they see that defending who I was is not the same as who I am. And then I'm tired of defending what I was. I want to be real and true now, a champion of the moment instead of an, a dreamed champion of the past. Well. You leave us speechless, which is hard to do. It we comes in handy, especially at the end of the show. So, Guy, this is incredible. Please tell everybody how they can find you. First, everybody, I can't stress strongly enough the idea that we can acknowledge these things, but we have to act on the knowledge. And if you have any interest at all, you can, one, go to GuyFinley.org, G-U-Y-F-I-N-L-E-Y, GuyFinley.org, visit my website. You can stay there for years and just drink in the cup of new knowledge. Go to RelationshipMagicBook.com if you would love to get the book that covers these ideas. And you get the free Audible book as well as another gift when you go to RelationshipMagicBook.com. Visit me on any of the social nets. I'm tweeting all the time about these ideas. That's it. Follow up. Great. That's my invitation. I, I have to say that when we do these shows, we come in with like a list of half a dozen questions. And you know when the guest is really great and brilliant, when you don't, when you even like get, even half, get to you don't even get to it, like the third question. And then you're just like, this thing is just going into a totally fabulous it's direction. Deep. It's deep. So thank you for that. We had a, we had a marvelously meaningful conversation. Oh, they wow. all should be that way. Right? Yes. Shouldn't they all? Thank you so much for you, coming Guy. back on the show. I, you just you give so much to us, to our audience. Gosh, I, I love you. I all right. Do. Wow. That... I want to marry you too. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Trevor. Guy, we'll do it beautiful. again when you when you wish. Look forward to that. All right, everybody, all right. have a great week. We are done being single, and, and we, uh, will... we can be found at donebeingsingle.com. You can email us at Treva and Robbie at donebeingsingle.com, and follow us at Dun... I mean, we're everywhere. We're just done being single. All right, we're fucking yeah. done. Yeah, we're done being single. All right. Subscribe. So there you Make go. Make it easy for yourselves. Subscribe, so you never have to go looking. It just comes to you. Everybody have a great week, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends, Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single. <laughs> <laughs>